You are listening to the Improv Save My Life podcast, brought to you on Bits, the Boston Improv Talk Station. All right, welcome to episode 41 of the Improv Save My Life podcast. I'm your host, Tom Boyer. This show is brought to you on Bits, the Boston Improv Talk Station. Speaking of which, if you're listening to this, please, dear God, go to the Boston Bostonia Public House this Sunday from 7 to 9 for the Bits Presents the Boston Improv two-on-two tournament uh, featuring eight teams of uh, two people improv duos going head-to-head for a prize of $200. Um, This week's, well, you're both guests, so two guests this week. Eddie McCabe. Eddie is in Secret Stash. That's right. also is tech director. Just acting, I guess. Acting tech director at Improv Asylum. And we have Jeff, and I'm not going to butcher your last name, so uh, it's Jeff. Uh, Jeff Kuchukistapanalo. Um, and Jeff is also in Secret Stash. He's on Improv Asylum house teams. And um, you guys are putting together a show? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're putting together a sketch show. Uh, just a bunch of sketch, sketch comedy. Yeah, it's uh, right now we're trying to put together a pilot episode, um, probably five or six sketches that we've been shooting, different locations, and uh, our plan is once we once we get that up and going, we'll uh, we'll probably start releasing them once a week uh, on a website we're going to set up, and then uh, additionally we're going to have that entire um, pilot episode as a kind of a calling card, and we're going to send it out to a bunch of places see if anyone's interested. Yeah, sorry, I got distracted <laughs> by the, the water bottle. Mm, you did, yes. Um, but yeah, we're putting yeah, we're putting together that show. It's gonna be super super fun. Nice. And you think within a couple months we'll be seeing something like that? Yeah, probably. Hopefully within a couple months. We have uh, about three sketches done right now, and then we're hoping to get you know the other two finished soon. Nice. Um, so what I like to do on the show uh, is typically get the guests kind of backstory where they grew up. Um, and then how they got into improv, and we'll take it from there. So uh, I want to start with you, Ed. Oh, you're going to start with me? Okay, cool. Uh, I grew up in Newton, which is right outside of Boston. Um, I started acting when I was very, very young. Uh, I started doing like commercials and TV and stuff like that. Uh, how did you want to pursue it? or how? I did. Yeah. Um, basically, the way that the story goes uh, is... I told my mom one day, I was watching Power Rangers, and she, uh, I said to her, I go, I can do that. And she was like thinking, you know, you, you're just a little kid. Of course, you're like, yeah, I can be a Power Ranger when I grow up. And I was like, no, I, I know it's not real, but I can do what they do. And so she was like, okay, when you learn how to read, then I'll, I'll help you figure that out. And so uh, third grade rolled around, and I had a good grasp on the whole reading situation. Nice. So I was like, mom, I can read. You said I could, you know, you'd help me try and find it, like figure out how to start acting. And so we ended up uh, finding an agent, Cameo Kids, which is now uh, Cameo Talent Agency. They moved up. Yeah, they moved up. Well, they used to just do kids, and then now they do uh, both adults and children. And so I started acting with them and, you know, did a bunch of commercials and independent films and TV shows and stuff like that. Um, and so then I, uh, basically, 
you know, did all that for a while. And then when high school was over and I decided to go to college, I went to college for uh, television and film production. Uh, you know, I figured that, you know, you could always take a class at somewhere like an improv asylum or like a theater or, you know, to get better at acting. So I didn't feel like pursuing a degree in acting was right. smart. So I decided to go for the other side of the camera, which I didn't know a lot about and pursue the technical aspect. Is there uh, a degree in acting? There is. I know that Emerson has one. There's also a uh, somewhere in like Philadelphia. I think there's a big acting school. I wonder if that even NYU does it do anything? Like I figure if you go on an audition, uh, having a diploma is not going to help you. You know, I can't speak to like acting degrees. You know, I don't have right. one. I didn't take any of the classes, but just kind of like outside looking in on the decision, that was the decision that I made. Like, you know, you can always, I felt like you, without having to spend the money to go to college to do that, you know, you can take classes at theaters or casting agencies to get better that way right. in that aspect. Uh, whereas like, I knew nothing about the production end of things, you know, how a camera works and like lighting and audio recording and all that stuff. So I felt that that would have been, a, if I was going to go to college, that was going to be the better avenue to pursue. And then through that, I found Improv Asylum as an internship. Uh, huh. I started out as the guy who during the day in the life on the main stage show, uh, they would, they used to film them. And because nine times out of ten, it's a bachelorette. And then they would say to the bachelorette, you could purchase the interview and then the day in the life on a DVD. And I was the guy that cut them together and put them on DVD. And that's how I ended up starting here uh, was being that guy as an unpaid intern. But through that, I ended up like working on all the sketches and the TV show. And then I started doing the video for the actual show and getting paid to do that and being an usher. And then when did you start here? I started here in 2010, I want to say. You say that's, that's accurate? I don't know. I don't know why I'm looking at you, I know, don't look at me. <laughs> I'm looking at Jeff, but I don't know why. Um, yeah, I want to say 2010. And, you know, basically worked on all sorts of video stuff and then worked my way up to doing all the tech of the main stage. Nice. Um, yeah, the second... I, I didn't even know Improv Asylum had interns, or do they still have any interns? I, I think they still offer it. I think there are some. They kind of they're usually like summer interns. I had Mary on last week, and she was an intern. Yeah. Anybody else that I would know that was formerly an intern? Um. Yeah, I think Kelsey Buckley was an intern. Maybe is. I don't know. She's on. She's an usher down there now. Yeah. Um, she was on last week too. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say she was an intern. I'm like on an intern streak right now. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to, you know, the there is growth, you know, within Improv Asylum, which is nice, where they kind of, you know, groom people to take over bigger positions. I know that both Shallon and Mary, um, you know, they started, I want to say Shallon was a manager when I started, you know what I mean? And before that, she was an usher, and now she's working up in the corporate office, and, you know, same thing with Mary. And Nice. Um, so you, you're, you kind of making films now. You, uh, you made, you guys together made the, the werewolf, uh, silver bullet yeah. thing. Uh, is that something? Well, uh, yeah, I do a lot of writing, uh, personally. I tend to write larger projects, which kind of hinders me because they take longer to get off the ground. Uh, but every now and then I kind of pop off a sketch like the werewolf here wolf, which is on the 56 Ridge. YouTube page, uh, which is my production company, if you will. Nice. Um, 
along with like other weird projects that I've done. And uh, but yeah, I worked with Jeff on that. Um, you know, we also did the 48-hour film festival this past year and worked with Tiny Bits Productions to do that, and that was super super fun. When when is that? It's the first week in April or the first week in May, one of the two. Um, but yeah, basically the, the it is you have 48 hours to write, shoot, edit, and deliver a short film. Right. It's got to be like seven minutes, and they give you like a prop, a line of dialogue, a character, and a genre, and you have to like fit it into that. So, yeah, nice. And uh, Jeff, what about you? Um, so I was uh, I was born outside of uh, Montreal, Canada, and um, came here when I was three. Uh, for me, um, I've always had this long uh, love of comedy, and a lot of it has to do with uh, the fact that English was probably it was was, was my fourth language. Um, so. Uh, we, we had moved into uh, literally right across the projects uh, in Lawrence, Mass. And um, you, you tend to not be able to go out to play a lot when you're a little kid, when, you're, when you live in those areas. So uh, I learned a lot of my English from just sitting in front of a television watching sitcoms. And, um, you know, I, I always think of those as my first development years of comedy more than anything else. And... Um, at a young age, you're learning like the rules of three and physical comedy and things like that. And so I learned my English through that. And uh, as a young kid, I, I would tend to use uh, phrases and, and, and jargon that uh, clearly wasn't uh, common <laughs> language for a younger kid. Right. Because I could understand the situation to use it in, not necessarily the origin of the phrase, but... Um, so a lot of people would always, you know, I'd always hear like, God, you, you talk like you're in college and... You know, I'm eight years old, and uh, so fooled a lot of people that way. But nice. um, you know, when during my high school years, I actually worked uh, behind the scenes on crew uh, for our theater productions. Um, really got a good appreciation of that. Uh, then, in college, stepped away from theater completely. It was after college that a, a few of my friends do um, did some uh, community theater with a now defunct group called the uh, Merrimack Valley Players and uh, you know they kinda encouraged me to come on board and um, I originally was brought in under the fa false pretenses of another show where they're like oh we're doing an Abbott and Costello review and we need some people to come in and help write some stuff and I showed up and it turned out to be the read-through and um, they ended up having me play eight different characters in the in the show nice. uh, so it's kinda like a it was kinda like an SNL thing where you know, it was a different sketch every so often. And was everybody playing multiple roles, or no? We had uh, we had five people in the cast. One played Abbott. One played Costello. One played the narrator. Uh, one played two different female roles, and then I was a different character, and I was all the other characters in the show. And um, I had a blast. And then theater kind of got into my blood a little bit. Did that for a while, and then uh, so I'm an I'm an engineer by trade, and um, what, One what day, type? a civil engineer. Uh, I started off doing uh, municipal work, you know, pipelines for state and city and towns, and then uh, moved on to building subdivisions and designing those. And then my last job, I was actually uh, project manager for uh, our CVS account at uh, my last company. So, nice. um, 
and then uh, just one day happened to come across the uh, the Tom Brady 911 call uh, that the Improv Asylum had put on YouTube a while back. Uh, was that who was that? Was that uh, Evan and Richie? Evan and Richie, yeah. Um, Evan Kaufman and Richie Moriarty. I feel like they haven't done since Evan left. It's, I don't know if Evan was a driving force behind a lot of the videos they did, but he's in most of the the videos that uh, Improv Asylum has on there. YouTube yeah. page. Yeah, uh, when Evan left, and uh, the big one was actually Chris Lawfren. Uh, Chris Lawfren was the tech director. He was the last actual tech director that we that Improv Sound had, and he um, he moved on and started doing more like freelance film work, and so that was the big one. When he left, uh, the video production fell off and it kind of seemed that him and Evan and Matt and Richie all kind of left around the same time, you know, kind of spread out over a course of a couple of months. It's kind of weird to me though, because video is more popular now than it's ever been, especially, you know, with YouTube and whatnot. And it's great marketing too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's, you have a theater filled with hilariously talented people. Uh, seems like something they should go back into sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, sooner or later it'll come back around. I mean, the company is expanding in a lot of different ways, and so that kind of fall, that kind of thing, kind of falls to the wayside yeah. when, you know, you're opening another club, uh, you know, over in, you know, duh, the seaport, and then you know, even the, you know, they had one in uh, Dublin for a little while, yeah. and you know, corporate training is a huge thing for them. So nice. Um, so how did? How did you guys meet? Were you did uh, did you meet prior to Secret Stash or? Uh, yeah, yes, we did. Uh, we took classes together, and I'll never forget when I maybe not met Jeff, but when I actually uh, recognized Jeff as like a comedic talent, uh, because obviously you meet everybody in the first day of class and right. like whatever. Um, but we were doing this exercise in level two where. One by one, we would walk into, we were given like a location. So the location was a convenience store. And we each one by one had to go in and object work something and then leave. And then the next person would have to interact with that thing that the person before them just built and then create something new. So that by the time the last person went... Uh, they had to interact with all of these things that this person, the, all of the other people had created in this world. And I remember uh, Jeff walking into the convenience store and the buzzer going off for like the doorbell. Like, you know how they have the doom doom. Yeah. And so Jeff walks in and he see here's the doorbell and then he looks back and then he just starts waving his hand across going like ding 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 uh yeah and so there that would be the first time that i actually like you know recognize jeff as like a comedic talent well i totally forgot about that yeah um yeah so we we did meet in classes here and um i think ed and i uh ed and i work really well uh for many different reasons i think um i think ed and i complement each other really well i think uh ed's extremely technically sound uh when it comes to stuff so uh yeah i'd be completely lost without ed 
uh, Ed knows his stuff better than anyone else I know. So um, everything that we do, especially with filming or if it's, you know, something on the technical side with sound or anything like that, like Ed, Ed should be everybody's go-to. I mean, I don't want to say that because now everyone's going to go to Ed. But, uh, you know, Ed, Ed just knows his stuff. He, he knows his craft very well. And, um, you know, and his, his other craft is obviously acting. And, um, you know, it's funny, Ed kind of... It kind of glossed over it when he was talking about his past, but uh, the the running gag that Ed and I have is that Ed tells me a new amazing story like every week, and I'm like, dude, why is it why does it take you a year and a half to tell me this when, you know, uh, a lot of people don't know that Ed was actually M Night Shyamalan's second choice for The Sixth Sense. That's true. That's a 100 percent true story. I was about to make a Haley Joel Osment joke when you were telling your story. Yeah. yeah, that's not even a joke. And he like, I was like, why was this not the first story you told me when right. we met? Because I, I would, would be introduce telling people myself on the street that way. when I was smoking cigarettes. Like, hey, you know, I was the second choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I told him that's gonna be my story. Like, hey, my buddy Ed was the you know second choice, and. Um, so you and, met Ed and I Shyamalan? Yeah. How was he? Uh, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where in the moment, it's not a big deal right. because... Sixth Sense wasn't out yet. Well, yeah, exactly. The Sixth Sense wasn't out yet, so M. Night Shyamalan wasn't a thing yet. Right. You know what I mean? So he was just this guy that was, you know, he was nice. He was a nice guy. Um, but he was, you know, just a normal every, like, you know, when you're in the level of acting that I was in you do a lot of independent stuff you know right. and so every director is this is their project that they're trying to like get off the ground and I mean obviously this was like a little bit different this was like a big deal of like something that was happening but we uh, you know like you always meet these nice directors and the directors are really cool I've never really had like a, a bad experience with a director that was crazy except for this one time with a MasterCard commercial where the guy spent like an hour and a half filming everybody's feet and it's like it's a 30 second spot for MasterCard what are we what are we doing <laughs> that's creepy yeah it's really weird uh, you know but yeah, it was really it was cool. It was a cool experience. But yeah, no. So yeah, that's the running joke that Jeff and I have. So when the Sixth Sense came out and was a gigantic success, uh, I'm not trying to rub it in, but uh, I don't know if people remember when it came out. <laughs> How terrible <laughs> do you feel? Uh, well, I mean, like as a kid too, you must be like that could have been me. I uh, fuck <laughs> the people that have the best careers in in this industry are also the ones that have the shortest memory yeah. uh, because you, you can't let stuff like that get to you. And you also look at, you look at me and you look at Haley Joel Osment and well, now we're very similar, but at the time, you know, I was a huskier kid. I was a huskier kid. I, you know, I played sports. And so another running joke that we have is that I'm an eighties high school movie villain <laughs> and and so the idea is that like I'm not I'm not that kid I'm not that meek small child so it made more sense to go with Haley Joel Osment you know it was just it was just one of those things where it was like yeah of course you'd pick that kid you know it, it wouldn't have been he had, as, he had been on some stuff before I think he was on Full House yeah you know it's kind of you know we played we kind of messed around with. Uh, you know, doing, going to LA for pilot season and stuff like that and going to New York and stuff. And it didn't really pan out and stuff like that. So do you still want to pursue acting? 
I still do. Uh, I was in Surrogates with Bruce Willis, you know, a couple years ago. I had a speaking role. In hey, that. you got to work with Bruce Willis. After yeah, all. I was. I got to work with Bruce Willis after all, and that was that was actually a joke amongst my family when I uh, when I got cast in that because I worked three days on that, and that was so fun. I played a military officer, and I got to jump out of a plane and like shoot an M sixteen with like you know fake bullets in it and stuff. So if I'm watching this, you'll we'll have to slow no, down. No, no, you'll see him. Yeah, nice. yeah. I have like I have like one line, but I'm also like in this action sequence. And what really sucks is that I actually I you know what guys I'm gonna let you know I'm gonna spoil, spoil I'm gonna spoil the six I'm mean, not the <laughs> six cents surrogates. Uh, at one point, Ving Rhames is like put out to be this like bad guy, and uh, there's a firefight at his compound with his people and the way that it's written in the script and I have the script still to prove it that I shoot and kill Ving Rhames and then I go and confirm the body and when I go and I confirm the body uh, the I'm like hey sir you gotta come over here and then my commanding officer who's like a bigger role uh, comes in and confirm and like you see that it's he's really a robot which is supposed to be a big thing in the movie and uh they cut my close-up out of the movie, which is so <laughs> shitty. So, but it's funny because, you know, you can tell, like, oh, that's me. All of this stuff leading up to it is me. But then when they cut to the close-up, it's not me. It's huh. just the other guy. I'm like, oh. That sucks. It sucks. But this is what I mean. Like, it, it took, like, months for me to find out any of this from Ed, you know? I can't blow my wad fast enough with good stories. <laughs> 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 I am just out there telling the world. Um, we might have to do something where um, Ed has to leave um, prior to the podcast ending. So uh, why don't we get into the made-up movie game now, and then okay. we can um, go back to the regular format after that. Um, have you guys listened at all? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So basically, yeah, I'm going to put my iPod on shuffle. Um, between the two of you, you can kind of work together. Um, take the the name of the song that comes out. I'll tell you what it is, and um, devise just a, a brief synopsis of the movie, as if you're watching it on Comcast and hit the info button, the little blurb they give you, uh, then we'll act out a scene or two from it. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds great. All right, let me see. Here we go. Shuffle. <laughs> it's uh, pour some sugar on me by Def Leppard. Um, all right, here's here's my pitch for the movie. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> a uh, diabetic soldier has been captured uh, by some militant group, and uh, they want some information. So what they're going to do is they're going to continuously give him sugar to torture him until they get the, the information. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. That, that good. That'd be my pitch. All right, my pitch, I guess. I would go with... Uh, in a post-apocalyptic future where uh, society has collapsed, uh, the only currency left is candy. Hmm. We're at a crossroads here, gentlemen. Uh, let's go with the candy one. Sounds interesting. Let's, let's see where that leads. I actually wanted to scream like a, like a tortured uh, <laughs> soldier for about 30 minutes. Um, yeah. I guess, you know, you, you're the host. You're going to have to pick one. Um, I kind of like the torture, uh, <laughs> the, the, the torture one. <laughs> All right. 
Get in here! You have information we want. I... I don't... Talk to us! I don't... I... I don't know anything. This could go the easy way or the hard way. You don't want the hard way. I... I don't want... I don't want the hard way, no! What's I'm, this, a medical bracelet you have? Give me that. Ow! Ah, it says here you're a diabetic. Yeah. Ooh, I can't handle sugar. I'm a big tough man. Hey, you know what? You know what, guys? It's a real, it's a real medical thing. All right, it's a real medical thing. I can't have sugar. I can't process it. Hey, Sarge. Hey, Sarge. Do you have my insulin? I can't go on duty today. What do you want to know? It seems like mocking him's not working. We're gonna have to try something else. What is this? A tray of sugar cubes? No. Tell us the codes. I don't. I don't have the codes. I don't. Open up, horsey. Open up. Nay. <laughs> I'm gonna pry your mouth open. <laughs> Throw the sugar cubes in. One lump or two. <laughs> it may be delicious. It's not. It's not doing it. Bring in the pixie sticks. Oh, you're not going to like this at all. No. This is your last chance. I don't know the codes. Sure you do. Snort this pixie dust. <laughs> Tell us the codes. I don't know the codes. We know the first half. Up, down, up, down, left, left right, right. B, A, right. select. What's what the last it? button? What is it? <sighs> Start. Uh, We're so gonna win Contra. Unlimited lives. Guys, and... can I call my mom? I'm not feeling too good. <laughs> <laughs> and see. <laughs> um, I love that Contra code. I had a joke. I did stand up a couple times. Uh, yeah. And I'm from Dorchester, so I had uh, this joke that uh, I grew up in Dorchester. Um, so I used to get shot and stabbed a lot when I was a kid. Luckily, okay. I knew the Contra code Contra from Nintendo. <laughs> so That's why you survived up, Dorchester. Down, down, left, right, left, right, BA select start. So, yeah, I have 30 lives. Uh, I still got 16 left, so I'm doing all right. Yeah, you're doing pretty good. I've always, I've always wanted to do stand up. I just. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's such a it's such a scary beast, you know. I mean, you're doing the equivalent on stage yeah. every Tuesday night and every Monday night, so uh, I don't think it's much different. The nerves. I tell you what. I I did stand up the first time. I did stand up. I had never done improv, and I was a nervous wreck. Um, once I did improv and had been on the stage, uh, I really didn't care. Then like a couple months ago, uh, my friend Stacy wanted to do it, and she only wanted to do it by herself. Um, so I I just did it last minute. And I didn't have any material written out. I was like writing shit during work, and even then, like I wasn't confident in my material. I was still like, fucking, what do I care? Especially if you go to open mics, I guarantee there's gonna be two or three people worse than you, yeah. which okay. <laughs> okay is a good confidence booster. Um. Can you just think of like a best and worst moment on stage? And I'm gonna change it for you a little bit if you want to uh, okay. bite. Um, anything ever go wrong in tech that 
do this. Oh man. Um. Yeah, I got I got two. I got one for the the worst acting, and I got one for the worst tech. Um, the worst acting was I was in a class, and I looked. I came into this scene with this girl, and her offer to me was, and this is gonna get really graphic, guys. I apologize. <laughs> um, it was. I had sex last night, and I forgot to take out my tampon. Oh, God, I was in this and, Yep, Jeff was there. <laughs> yep. And it's now stuck in my vagina. That was your offer? That was her offer <laughs> oh. to me. And I just remember looking at her like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> and so that was the worst. That had to have been the worst moment. I Yeah. I did that. So this person... Continue on through no. the training center? Nope, didn't even finish level two. Didn't seem like they had a uh, good grasp yeah. on what makes a good offer. <laughs> um, then the worst tech moment I ever had was during uh, the opening weekend of Laugh Boston. I was te I set up the booth over there and I teched everything. And so they basically, this guy came in and wired up everything. And then I kind of was just there running it. It was the first night or first weekend I was ever there. And in the middle of opening night, during the middle of the set, uh, we, like, blew a fuse or something shorted out, and we lost all audio power in the opening full night of Laugh Boston. And I'm losing my mind and have to basically, on the fly, rewire this entire board to make sure that, to, like, get it back up and running. It was an absolute nightmare because, you know, it's one of those things where all of a sudden the mic isn't working, so everybody looks over at the tech guy. Right. So, yeah, I lost my mind. How long did it take to... Uh, it took me probably about three minutes. Must have seemed like a half hour. Oh, it seemed like 45 minutes. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Uh, I'm going to start with my worst and then go to my best because I don't want to... Be on a down note. Uh, my worst by far uh, for me personally was my NXT audition, uh, which is the wrong time to have your worst moments. This uh, is the most recent audition? Yeah, it's the only time I have auditioned. And um, going into it, I had had a, like, a really good run of auditions for house teams and really good, like like maybe like a month of a, a really solid run where I felt really good in my foundation and everything. I've, I've just noticed over... I've always thought you were funny, but I've noticed in the last, I don't know, a couple of months, uh, you've had some really good house steam stuff going on, uh, really quick-witted lines and whatnot. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, and I got out there, and I I just put way too much pressure on myself, and it was one of those situations where, like, half of it was out of my control, and during the audition, and halfway through the audition, I was like, there's no way I can recover from this at this point, and... Uh, and sure enough, didn't get a call back, and rightfully so, based on that audition. But that was that was something that I was actually looking forward to for about four or five months, where I was like gearing myself up, really wearing myself over for it. But everybody, there's such a talented roster of people here now. That oh, absolutely. It's, it's so absolutely. I would imagine getting into NXT would be so tough right now. Yeah, um, I'm getting into house teams is tough. Yeah, getting to house teams is not an easy thing by any means. I've decided I'm going to try out next week, which. I had been saying that I was going to wait. I was going to go through the IB training center because I just graduated here. Yeah. I just, I'm not at the level I want to be. Um, and I know a lot of that comes with time and experience because I've only been doing this for like over a year. 
basically what I took my first level one. Um, but I, I don't know. I, 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 people tell me you get better when you get on house teams too, just working with the coaches and whatnot. It's it's like a sport. Yeah. You, you gotta you gotta practice. You gotta figure out chemistry. Um, you, you start to pick up on people's tells as to where they're probably gonna go with the scene, and um, yeah, it it really is. I mean, it's it's like it's like an NFL player if he gets a year off and then he tries to come back. You just you can't do it. You really need that time with people and. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much talent down there, so many talented people, and it's just, you know, everybody's uh, everybody's very nice and welcoming, and and you know, it's it is a community down there. But at the same time, you know, everyone's trying their hardest to kind of get up that ladder too. At the yeah. same time, so. yeah. The good thing is, is that more things are popping up in terms of like different places for groups to gain stage experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, the just comedy or whatever the Hennessy show is called this week. It's just comedy. Just now. comedy. Uh, you know, that's a great place for, you know, groups to get together and, you know, get on get on a stage. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm really pushing for people to come to the show Sunday. Uh, that's the first show that I'm running by myself. Eagle yeah. Comes produced uh, a couple, three shows you guys have been at. But yeah, Quincy, yeah, that showcase is fun too. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird room. I, I like it, but, it, like, the last time you guys were there it was just really loud during a lot of the sets um so i gotta figure out a way to but if you if you go to locals at a their bar and be like hey guys can you keep it down like fuck <laughs> you we're yeah, gonna yeah, turn yeah, it yeah, up yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so um so this i'm hoping if we get a good turnout here um maybe we can get another weekly indie show running yeah um Nice. Because I think there is interest. Like, people want to perform as much as they can. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. it's definitely a thing. Yeah. You know. Um, oh, so my my best. Oh, yeah. Uh, my best uh, time performing is probably, uh, probably, I think it was, a, I want to say it was the second or third run I was on. And uh, our, we had, a, our structure was set up, so a guest monologist came in. They did a quick monologue, and then we do a series of scenes. And we do that three times over a 20-minute period. And uh, Matt Catanzano was our was our monologist, and uh, he was talking about how uh, there was this uh, French series to teach his French class uh, called the uh, Ananas, I think it is, It's which is French for pineapple, so it's a bunch of talking pineapples, I guess. And... Fucking pineapple. <laughs> pineapple comes up. I get, I've had pineapple as a suggestion like three times out of the last month. And really? It's like, what? It's <laughs> anyway. a go-to fruit. Yeah, it's yeah. a go-to fruit. And um, so I... Uh, Right when he started talking, I, I don't know what came over me, but I was like, I know where I'm taking this. And opened up the the montage with uh, a group scene, and it was a classroom scene where I was uh, the gym the gym coach at a high school who I had to substitute because the French teacher uh, broke her leg in a drunken situation the night before. And uh, the, the house was packed. The IA was packed that night for house teams. And... Um, we shared focus, and I mean the the sketch just cr it, it just crushed. It absolutely crushed, and uh, that's the first time where I was like, "Wow, like this is a great feeling." And you know, if I keep applying myself, keep growing, and you know, I can do this. So that was that was just a it was a great feeling because it was a lot of um, jokes that hit, but also jokes that were done through the foundations of. What, what you do on, on an improv stage. So it was, it was awesome. It was such a great team effort, and it 
it just felt so good, and I was like, yeah, this is this is why I do this. So. Nice. Yeah, those are the moments you really yeah. Yeah. that make improv what how great it is. Um, my best moment acting uh, had to have been like improv acting had to have been it was when the Just Comedy Show was the Why Comedy Show. Uh, and I had so much fun. I got pimped into playing Macho Man Randy yes. Savage. <laughs> I got pimped into playing Macho Man Randy Savage, and I played Man- Randy Savage for a solid I remember ten this. minutes. This was great. Um, I had a blast. It was so fun. It went on a little too long, but <laughs> I absolutely, absolutely loved that moment. It was so funny. Um, I was the one who threw out that suggestion in the audience. I know. Yeah. And then. Uh, then probably my favorite tech one has to be the first time that I ever did uh, a main stage show. Um, just kind of like, you know, if you're going to do something, you want to do it at the best level. And so kind of, you know, working your way up and doing like NXT and house teams and bandy project and stuff like that. And then finally doing the main stage was, you know, was really fun. So you got to run. I do. Um, you have a wrestling podcast, speaking of wrestling. I do. Um, so I run a Twitter and a podcast. We are the New Age Insiders on Twitter, at New Age Insiders. And podcast is either NAI Pod or, um, you know, the New Age Insiders podcast. We're on YouTube, iTunes, and podomatic.com, I believe, is the same place that this is on. Right. So after you're done listening to this... You should throw into the search bar New Age Insiders. Uh, I will say, I use a stage name on that one, which is super funny because I use a stage name because I almost became a writer for World Wrestling Entertainment. And when we started the Twitter and the podcast and everything, uh, I didn't want it to affect that decision making process for them because I felt like if they knew that I was, you know, Doing this Twitter that was hypercritical of their product, right. it would only hurt my chances. So we use uh, we use some stage names, and it's fun. So I go by Liam Stryker on that. Nice. That doesn't sound fake at all, Liam Stryker. Yeah, well, I don't care if it sounds fake. <laughs> you don't want to be a writer there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I, had a, I had a buddy. Wow, my best friend growing up worked there for years. And everything I've heard is just a terrible place to work. Yeah. Well, you know, it's tough because you know i do know people that work there and stuff and the the issues are kind of at a log jam at the top and you know you can you can tune into the new age insiders and i'll talk all about this i'm pretty sure we covered this topic of like there's a guy at the top that isn't vince mcmahon but is his right hand man almost that is vetoing good ideas and he's actually trying to it's He's trying to hurt the developmental part, uh, I th- territory. I think everybody that's a wrestling fan watches it and goes, why don't they just do this with this guy? Just do this. Yeah. And- the biggest issue is that they don't write out... It's a scripted television program, and they don't write out long enough to develop any clear-cut storylines or characters. It very much seems that they're writing week to week, which is terrible way to do something like that you have to have a plan you know i mean it's like in anything you you have to you know even if you're making up 90 percent of it you have to kind of have like a little bit of a plan and uh you know that's thanks for everybody yeah lance 
Oh shit, I didn't even know this was going on. I need to find the prop closet. Where is that? Um. Well, <laughs> this has been Andy McCabe. I'm going to go help Lance Blaze Patterson find the prop closet, and then i got to go check the midnight something? show. Are we doing something here? It's only a I'll podcast. S- I'll see you guys later. later. Oh, can they hear me? Thomas and I. Yeah. <laughs> see you, Lance. See you, Ed. <laughs> see you guys. Oh, man. You just never know. Are you a wrestling fan? I used to be yeah. uh, back in the day. So I'm like, a, I'm a, definitely a generation before uh, Ed. So uh, the Macho Man is his favorite, but the Macho Man was probably in my prime time of, you know, watching yeah. that stuff. Macho Man was, uh, I think he was my favorite. I was a Bret Hart guy too, but yeah. in yeah. retrospect, I think Macho Man was the best. Um, I knew Ed was coming on. I wanted to talk about wrestling. Well, I think there's a lot of wrestling fans that do improv, and I think it's somewhat related. Like I think you watch those guys, and even as a kid, you know it's not real, and yeah. you see them almost—they're they're kind of improvising a lot of what they do, uh, not only in the ring but like with their interviews. Sure, sure. And some of them are scripted, but like most of the best guys that came up in the '90s, like. Stone Cold and The Rock and those guys pretty much could cut their own interviews and they they did them really well so yeah I think uh, I think a lot of the current wrestlers could learn a lot by just taking an improv class learning just how to that's, communicate that's interesting better. I never thought of that yeah I mean uh, sometimes you look at some of the sports athletes too I'm sure they could they could uh, definitely benefit from it too I mean I think improv um Improv does uh, does have a wide range of uh, applications you can use yeah. to. I mean, it, you know, and if you look at um, you know Chet and Norm and Jeremy doing all the corporate uh, yeah. training with it. Bill um, Carmley had that book, Funny Business. Which, right, right. Um, yeah, it's all about using it in business. Yeah, um, I, I, even in social situations, it's always good to. Right, I you know. I think I've become more. Uh, talkative and more personable I'm not the most personable guy but um, just since I've started taking improv I, I can't I, I wish you could spread the word like just because it's 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 just a culture that I don't think a lot of people know about and know the benefits of just jumping in a class like I, I think everybody I don't I can't see a situation where somebody that is able to wouldn't benefit from taking improv class yeah I think you know it, it definitely hit its peak um, when uh, Whose Line Is Anyway was on. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, I guess the best analogy to that is, uh, you know, poker started to explode when it was on ESPN. Yeah. And then now it's kind of, I mean, it's still out on television, but it's not as predominant as it was. And uh, now that, you know, Whose Line kind of went away and then they came back on the CW, but um, I think that was kind of at the height of it. And I kind of wonder if there's a certain amount of people who are out there like, oh, is this still a thing? Like, you yeah. know, and and it, it's crazy too because I I will say this I, I would I would bet dollar to dollar against anyone that coming down to the Improv Asylum and, and seeing even house teams. I mean, not yeah. even main stage, but even house teams is probably your your best spent money. I mean, it's five bucks. It's five yeah. bucks to see the house teams and and main stage is just such a great polished, talented you know uh, group of actors out there and. I've said this a couple times on the podcast, but I think House Teams is my favorite show to go to. Um, of course, you're going to see the main stage show, um, but you're not going to see it week after week because a lot of the same sketches. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it, if you take that one experience, you know, main stage is obviously what you want to see. But if you're going to 
just jump in, pop in, and you want to see improv. You can't beat house teams. You see a bunch of different teams. You see all these different uh, improvisers of different levels and different backgrounds that bring different things to the table. It's it's a really good show. Yeah, and they're um, they're really starting to push, you know, the the booby trap show on Mondays too now. Um, yeah, you guys just. Um, you did a secret stash show there. Recently. Yeah, we did, um, and it, it was actually it it came out really well. Uh, we we had we had you know uh, a pretty pretty packed house, and um, we actually put the show together in two weeks. That's uh, awesome. From being like, hey, we got a show, start writing sketches to uh, you know rehearsing our closer for like three or four hours the day before the show, and um, you know, and and what's what was kind of good about our show is that stash really. <clears throat> Really has uh, a really wide range of comedy because because um, of the members. I mean, it's um, so who who are the members? So I, I think I've had the majority on except for Samantha, and I think there might be oh, who's the Tom Cole? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's Ed McCabe, myself, uh, James Elwood, and, and Steffi K, both who you've had on a right. single podcast. Um, it's uh, Andy Bridges. Sam Gauss uh, and Tom Cole, and we're um, we're directed by Ryan McFarland, and uh, yeah, all of us all of us have different um, you know all of us have different viewpoints and different types of comedy, and uh, you know I, I jokingly say that a lot you know a lot of them are are uh, pretty well established. I mean Ed has this ridiculous track record with acting, and right. um, Samantha actually uh, does stand up and. For a while, she had, um, you know, she had opened for people like uh, Bob Oakley and uh, Tracy wow. Morgan. Um, she's, uh, she's a really good actress on stage too. Yeah, she has a she has like a community theater background as well, like me. So, um, mine mine's a little different than hers. I mean, I, I acted for years, but I also um, wrote and directed two shows, and um, you know, so I I kind of do that that as well uh but yeah we, we all come from like different points of view as comedy and so when we do do a sketch showcase uh it, it's it's quite a quite an array of stuff nice um yeah i heard it went well and it might be an opportunity to do it again that yeah there? um right now we're looking at uh finalizing um sometime in november uh, uh, we're going to be back the suspects on. did where they did for like a month or something like that? Not sure. Still up in the air. I think um, one of the things is that we're talking about is perhaps uh, doing a single date and then uh, maybe uh, coming back every other month um, and just doing it that way rather than doing the same show six times. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we end up doing six different shows. And it's, it's kind of good, too, because that, that allows a lot of repeat uh, – audience members to come back so yeah. um so what do you have coming up you'd like to plug uh well we got the stash stuff um we finally started to get on uh the social media stuff so um we've got a facebook page now and it set up uh, a twitter account uh, it's secret stash 11 uh, don't ask me why it's 11. I, I asked Ed, and he literally went, Secret Stash was taken, and 11 Secret is his go-to number. So. Secret Stash and name. Is that a playoff that Kevin Smith, uh, he has a comic book store, and I 
There's a bunch of ties to Kevin Smith. Um, yeah, no, I want to say no. Um, I was the original members were you know Bo Deliker and and Ed McCabe and Andy Bridges, and then uh, right after that they brought on James and myself. Um, so I don't know. The story I've heard is that basically Bo and Andy both like the name randomly, and that's what it is. Uh, so I don't know. Um, it, we've honored that and stuck with it, but I don't think it it has any relation to that um ed and i are also doing something uh just for fun we, we started an instagram account and uh, it's called ed and shoulders <laughs> and so every friday we're, we're hoping to get it up in october every friday uh we're just gonna send out one picture and um what it is is uh it's a selfie of me wearing a silly hat and it is over my right shoulder and um it, came, it, it, it literally came about one night when we were, I was dropping him off in Newton, and uh, we stopped at a Seven Eleven. So I wanted to be silly. I put on one of the hats they were selling, and um, Ed photobombed me over my right shoulder. And I thought this has to be a thing. So um, we're we're kind of uh, stockpiling them right now. We've got like eight or nine, and uh, so once a week we're just gonna send out you know one random selfie of me with him photobombing me. So nice. Um, but other than that, you know, Ed and I are, uh, we're still working on that comedy show that we haven't yet titled. Um, did we're, we, uh, did we talk about that on this or did we talk about it before? Uh, no, we talked about it during this. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be like an SNL type thing and we're going to hopefully get that up and running and, you know, send it out to people. Um, so we got that. We're still kind of figuring out a name. We don't know yet. So stay tuned. Uh, Ed and I are also working on short films and stuff. Nice. Um, like you said, we uh, we did some stuff with uh, Tiny Bits uh, Productions with um, someone that Ed knew through school. This uh, woman named Jen Jennings, and uh, she uh, she's she's a very interesting person too because she um, she runs she runs that, and she uh, was the personal assistant of Michael Moore for two years. Nice. So uh, she recently went to the Michigan Film Festival and, and showed uh, Michael some of the stuff we had done. And uh, one day I was picking up Ed and he goes, I got, I got news that's going to make your day. And I said, what's that? And it turns out that I guess Michael Moore liked me in one of the short films. And he, I nice. told Jen, like, oh, I'd hire that guy. That guy was great. So that's, that's like my story. <laughs> that's, that's like the one story I have <laughs> compared to Ed's like 15, but. I haven't seen any of his most recent movies, but he used to have a show on that was really good. Um, something Nation. Um, it was on in the 90s. Um, and it was just basically a weekly show uh, with like short 20-minute documentaries, like three of them. Okay, all right. Yeah, he hasn't um, he hasn't done anything recently because from what I understand is that uh, he's going through a pretty messy divorce and he wants to wait until everything was finalized before he started a new project. Right. And uh, I guess that's all done with now. So I guess he's, he's starting to to look at to do some more projects. And um, and I've been working with Jen a little bit. I We did the 48-hour film project and then afterwards I was kind of inspired. I did a, uh, I wrote like a 45-minute short, uh, short screenplay and we're kind of in the works, talking with some producers to see if we can actually make that a reality. So, nice. so that's like the next step for me. I had this idea for just a movie trailer. I wouldn't actually do the movie, but you know how there's all these like, uh, it's like Wicked and all these prequels to like existing stories. Yeah, yeah. And there's another one coming out this 
winter, like into the woods or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, just, I, I don't know. To me, it's like I, all the movies that are coming out now are usually sequels, and now they're doing like these weird prequels or just based on some other property. I thought about uh, Sneezy. <laughs> 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 like just his story from yeah. the corpse <laughs> yeah. I don't know I I like like he's going through like the town and they're like we don't serve dwarves here and, like, <laughs> I, I I think the end of the trailer would be um, he at some point he meets up with maybe Happy or one of the other dwarves um, so he has like a companion but they're looking at, like, over a candlelight, they're looking over, like, a storybook, and they see uh, Snow White. And there's a parade going by right now. There's literally a parade going by in honor of this podcast, <laughs> I think. Yeah, it's crazy. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I, that's why Ed left, actually. He wanted to set that up for us. So um, so they're, they're looking over a storybook by candlelight, and he just sneezes, and, like, the candlelight goes out. Oh, nice, and that's how that, the, the trailer ends? Yeah. Um, yeah oh, I was, I no, was and then ha- Happy, or whoever the dwarf is with him, says, God bless you, and then you hear the Wicked Witch, or whoever the witch is in Snow White, uh, say, like, there is no God here, and it just comes to <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny that... Um, <laughs> how that ends. Uh, it's, it, it is kind of funny that, like, I've... Since getting to know Ed, I've really tried to kind of get involved with the whole filming. It's something I've always wanted to do, and I've, I did it in college, but it was always guerrilla filmmaking and classwork and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I have a, I think I have the same camera Ed has, and I have all the equipment. I, I, I bought pretty much everything you need. I just, I have no, I'm not good with the camera, and I'm not surrounded by people that seem to be interested in filmmaking, which sucks. That's the two, the, I feel like the two biggest things when making, like, film projects is location and coordination of actors, because there's so many moving parts, and it's like, yeah, you can you can film two people in a living room all day long, but, you know, if you really want to, to get a story out and you really have to, there's a lot of work that goes into it like yeah. I've always said even a bad movie takes tons of work yeah um, so you know Ed and I have really been kind of pushing that envelope outside of improv and um, you know I'm, I'm really hoping that this this project that I just wrote kind of goes through it it was one of those kind of perfect storms where everything just kind of came together and um my my litmus test for all the stuff I write or I do is I, I run it by my best friend, uh, Beth Beth Paraki, and um, she read it and was like, "This is the best thing you've written." So I was like, "All right, good. I can I can isn't share it, it with people." Isn't it weird? You can have like an idea in your head um, that you think is like that you're hanging on to, like this is gonna be what I write. This is gonna be my opus, and then something just hits you like some other idea. And then you get into that, and you're like, "Whoa, this is way better than what I thought." Oh yeah, my original thing, you know. Yeah, I think um, I think as someone who's creative, the toughest thing for someone who's creative is uh, to realize that there there's a better idea, or you know, let go of like the stubbornness of your original right. idea. And uh, for me, it it all comes down to the story. Um, that's kind of why I do improv. That's why I I do films. I I just kind of want to be a storyteller and. Um, I don't care what medium it is. 
Um, you know, I've written a novel that I'm trying to get published, and you know, as long as I can tell a story, that's that's all I care about. So, it's awesome. Uh, all right, so we're gonna wrap it up. Cool. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, thank you for listening. Bye.